welcome to another edition of RC Weekly. My name is Ruvain Spolter. I'm here with Rabbanit Mali Bravsky. Good evening, Mali. Hi, Mali. Rabbanit Mali Bravsky is a senior faculty member at Mechlelet Mevaseret Yushalayim and maintains a clinical social work practice, practice in Gush Etzion. Rav Jandi Solomon is a teacher at Machon Ma'ayan and Midrash at Torah Chesed and a writer and editor of Jewish content for numerous organizations around the world. Hello, Rav Jani. Hi, Ruben. My name is Ruven Spolter, and I'm the director of OTS Amiel Bakihila and the rabbinic liaison for English-speaking countries for Irgun Rabbanet Tzohar, and I live in Yad Binyamin. It's election season here in Israel, and we're not a political podcast, but we thought we'd talk tonight about an interesting development in uh, the religious Zionist world. And that's what we would what, 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 what is known as uh, like the split between what's called Hayamin HaChadash, which is the right-wing party led by Ayala Chaked and Naftali Bennett, and then a, a group of parties that used to be called the Maftal. So if you're not up on your history, it's called the Miflaga Dati Umi, which was the religious Zionist party that Bennett and Chaked turned into what they called Habayit HaYehudi. And that party merged with a party called Ha'ichuda Le'umi. So just if you don't know your, your slices of religious Zionist world, the Bayit Ayudi was the sort of modern Orthodox, if you'll, if you'll accept what, what I'm saying, the sort of modern Orthodox kind of, uh, of uh, a population. And Ichuda Le'umi, in my perspective, is the, really the Hitnachalut, the, 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 Hitnachalut the, the, the settler population, the people who live in Yudav and Shomron. So those two came together and now created what's called a block techni, a technical block with, uh, with Otsma Yehudid, which is a more fringe right-wing party. Uh, they're all sort of running together. What's interesting about this is that in, in my perspective, this represents not just a political reality, but also an ideological split in the, in the religious Zionist community. And what I want to discuss with our panelists this evening is this interesting split. The idea of the Baida UD, when Bennett and Shaked named the party, the whole idea of the party was everybody's house, everybody's bite is supposed to be a house of religious and secular together. And that the religious and secular can live together and promote Jewish values and work towards a state with a right-wing uh, agenda, but they're able to work together in order to promote, in order to, in order to further their agenda and, and, uh, and improve the state of Israel. But when Bennett and Shaked uh, split and their dramatic Saturday night uh, press conference, hastily called press conference, they said that they felt that they were never able to uh, reach out and, and appeal to the religious vote to the non-religious voters in the Bayit IUD. Meaning that their dream of this of this catch-all party uh, was really not something that they were able was, was were able to bring to fruition. And the question is, does that mean that the Bayit IUD or the Mafdal, the religious Zionist movement, is only a religious Zionist movement, and where where it, it has to be something that has sort of shrunken back and become a, become a sectorial a party on the one hand, or on the other hand, maybe just it's a political reality that Ben and Shaked failed, and, and at the same time, we, perhaps it doesn't reflect the reality in, the, in, in our families, and the religious Zionist movement is still one united religious Zionist movement, but it's just a political thing that they separated in order to accomplish their, their personal goals. So I, I want to start with, uh, with Rav Jani. And, and ask you, in, our, in your perception of the religious Zionist community, were they right? Is there such a thing as a Baida Yehudi that we can all get together around Jewish tradition? 
or now we reflect different communities. There's the Kav, there's the Yeshiva world, there's the, Maf the Chardal world, and, and that general area. And then there's the, we'll call it light, but not in a, in, a, in, a, in a pejorative sense, in a derogatory sense, but the more worldly, whatever you want to call it, community. And the two just can't live together anymore. So in response, and thank you for framing it so well, I said already a few weeks ago in this recording, uh, so in this podcast, that I think there are many religious Zionisms. I think that there is no such thing as a singular camp uh, for a whole variety of reasons, ideological reasons, reasons to do with um, geography, politics, a religious practice. Um, each of us live in slightly different places. I think reflecting in a subtle but meaningful way the different emphases of those communities uh, and interpretations of what is religious Zionism. And I believe the notion that all religious Zionists will come around a singular party, one which is uh, firmly right-wing and absolutist in its religious interpretation is a fallacy. Uh, I think it's also been a fallacy for many decades. Uh, for me, a turning point in terms of how I interpret uh, and read on the street religious Zionism was the assassination of Rabin, where we saw one interpretation of religious Zionism calling for what eventually took place, not calling necessarily in action, but certainly whose rhetoric spurred up that outcome, and many others who found that not just highly objectionable in terms of discourse, but much of the other sentiments uh, too. So there are many religious Zionisms. Habayat Yehudi, uh, to presume, was the singular home of all religious Zionists, I think was naive. Um, and Hayamin uh, Chadash is meant to describe, I think, a slightly more authentic view of many people, some being religious, some not being religious, but those who ascribe to a particular political worldview where there's a synergy between those who are religious and those who aren't religious, where certain more uh, primary Jewish values such as a family, the home, education are emphasized, whereas where religion, though certainly an element of lifestyle, it isn't the be-all and end-all in living in the modern state of Israel. So, but John, I want to ask, like, I, I want to follow up and ask you, the, in its ideal, I was, I was talking with a Rav who lives down the block from me, and he's like, of course you have to vote Mafdal. He called it Mafdal. He, didn't, he didn't, doesn't really... He's not sensitive to the fact that it's now called something else because he said, we need a political party because it's the, we need a political expression of Rav Cook's vision. Meaning, like in, in his view, in the view, I would, I would call it the old-timer view, like we're much, you, you know, you, you talk about a certain political vision, but in their view, politics and the need to have a political party and a political expression is a reflection of a religious worldview. You know, it's not just about having power for a certain sector, but it's ordered to promote a certain agenda. Is that still relevant in today's day and age? Is that something that's, that, that, that can be achieved? Or we're just talking about achieving, you know, specific goals and, and for a specific sector. And that vision is, has not, you know, you can't mix religion and politics. And we, we're just talking about specific interests. Israel is the ultimate mix of religion and politics. <laughs> and of course, there's going to be sectarian political views and people looking out to promote their own agenda and provide for their own institutions. Uh, to think, by the way, even that Haymin Khadash doesn't have that sentiment somewhere, I don't know enough, 
No, no, I'm not talking about Yemen Khadash. I'm talking about in your like I'm asking you as a, I'm asking you to philosophize. In your in your perspective as philosopher and your concept of like of the ideal, like what Rev Cook wanted to have a political representation, right? Is it possible nowadays to have a political representation of a worldview? Or is that just was it ever possible? Or was that just naive? I think I think it was ever possible. Uh, and I think we blew many, many good opportunities because many, many people failed to rise to universal challenge. You see, when people talk about Ralph Cook, they talk about it in a particularistic view, standing up for a particular group of uh, the society, standing up for their rights, but they forget his other parts of Torah, his universalistic view. And there was too much emphasis on particularism, too little emphasis on universalism. And that actually, I think, betrayed a lot of the key values of Rav Cook, And I think it meant that the values that people claimed to speak for in the name of Rav Cook were only a very thin slice of the many beautiful values for which Rav Cook stood. And as things continued, Rav Tzvi Yehuda in particular, things became even more marginal, even more particular uh, and, and, uh, and limited to certain communities with certain worldviews. So I do believe that there were there was a possibility where the ideal politics could have spoken for every Jew or spoken to every Jew. But we are now, we're still 71 years young, but that's been quite a long time in terms of the many mistakes in the political sphere. And religious groups across the board, from both religious Zionist uh, political parties to the Haredi political parties, I think have a lot to answer for, because where they should have used their platform to share and inspire people, they often let, use their platform to speak for their people. Um, and there's something almost ironic. I remember years ago when Ruth Calderon, you know, used a platform in the Knesset to deliver a small Gemara show, and everyone was amazed. And, uh, and really immaterial of what she said, my, my sentiment was, why was it that nobody else had done that beforehand? Why was it the opportunity to share and teach Jewish values was was I want to say wasted is slightly too harsh, but was not fully fulfilled by people who were visionaries. But unfortunately, they were looking out often for their, you know, uh, uh, the nearest and dearest, those who are more ideologically closest to them. So <laughs> I, I'm going to come to that. Vision, I'm, 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 okay, thank you. I want to turn to Molly and ask the same question. In your perspective, is there a possibility of having uh, a, a political party that represents a religious ideology, or do those things just contradict one another? Okay, so I have to say that I I feel like uh, I everything of Johnny said is is I'm just gonna have to echo what he said because that was actually my experience. Meaning, I made Aliyah in 1994. Um, was that the year? It was it was definitely an election year. Um, and I came in assuming that I was a Maftal voter and that the Maftal represented what Johnny just described, um, the, the philosophy of Rav Cook, the way I understood it, which was we, are, we believe in religious Zionism, but we, are, we have a big tent that welcomes everybody. We welcome everybody with love. We don't believe in coercion. Um, we believe in shy, shining the light of Torah over all of Am Yisrael. That's what I thought the Maftal was going to stand for. And then I started watching the commercials. At the time, that's what they did. They had these, like, you know, little five-second, you know, hilarious clips. And I was 
that's the Mafdal. I don't want to vote for those people. Um, because it was all about Eretz Yisrael and, and then I started listening to the radio, and I started listening to interviews. It was all about Eretz Yisrael HaShlema. And it was not even, the conversations weren't even nuanced. It wasn't even like, well, if you could really have peace, um, would you be willing to give up some land maybe for some real peace? And I'm thinking, well, that's not a legitimate position. No, Eretz Yisrael HaShlema only. This is our land. It was like the language was so extreme. It was so narrow there. And, it, and I don't just mean about this Eretz Yisrael HaShlema issue. On all issues, the, the, the vision was so, was, was to my mind, because I want to be respectful. It's a, it's, a, it's a worldview out there, and it's a legitimate one among many. Um, but it's a religious political view that was way too narrow for my for my sensibilities. Um, and I agree with, with Johnny. I thought it was a missed opportunity. I was like, where's my party? Where's what I, that's why I made Aliyah to like, again, like Rav Cook. You know, some combination of Rav Kook, Soloveitchik, at the end of Kol Dido Fake, where it's like you come and you, you, and again, it really is Rav Soloveitchik at the end of Kol Dido Fake, where he talks about that's, that the religious Zionists have to come and be the role models for um, Torah values and not through coercive legislation. I, I don't believe, I'm not going to speak in the name of any rabbinic authorities, but my personal belief is not through necessarily coercive legislation, but rather through creating national consensus. So then, so, Molly, the way you're describing it, it sounds to me that the language of politics and the language of visionaries and the language of religion are just different languages. I mean, because okay, politics so, does not speak no, to... No, so okay. So see, I'll tell you why I don't, I'm not 100% convinced that I agree with you. I'll tell you why. Because, you know, now I feel like I've watched Israeli society develop between 1995 and 20, almost 20, 2019. And I feel like, you know, Ravjani is right that there were a lot of missed opportunities. But I, I tend to be an optimist about Israel and about Zionism, even though I'm a pessimist about most everything else in the world. And I do see a lot of very positive developments. And I think that there were some mashperim, there were some crises. Retzach Rabin was a crisis. The Hitnakut was a crisis. And I think that the religious Zionist community kind of, there are developments, all kinds of developments, that the voices that I thought were going to be here have started to become louder. And it's possible that the Yamin HaChadash more represents what I thought the Mafdal was supposed to be for me. At the same time, I don't want to be 100% convinced of what I'm saying because the Yamin HaChadash is not a religious party. I mean, they talk, they give lip service, they say we want it, we know we, we believe in, in, as you said before in our personal conversation, in, in the Gabisa and... Um, what, what's it called? Uh, document. Amanad Medan. Amanad, and they say they wanna, they wanna, their, their religious perspective is in the Ruach of Rabbanet Sohar, which also speaks to me very much. But the truth is that they are not an overtly religious party. And something that somebody in our community said, which no, it's not one of their issues. It's really they don't right. Care. So that's the right. So I want to just say, and I, and I'll, you know, I think that that's this, your point is well taken, which is if we don't vote for them, right? If the Datilumi world votes for Yamina Hadash instead of you know, Habayit HaYehudi, who's going to, politically, who's going to be our voice in government? We do need a voice, we do need. Politics is politics. Who's going to be the one looking out for the Yeshivot Hezder? Who's going to be the one looking out for the Mamachti Dati schools? Who's going to be looking out for all kinds of, yes, sectarian issues? We're still, we are still a, a, a you know, a, a, the way our political system works is still a sectarian system where you are presenting your constituents and let's just does it without any problem. And if right. the, the, the community doesn't really have a voice, 
That's so not I, I think that goes back to my original question. Can you be ideological in a, in a game of politics, which is about power, koach, and essentially funding? Right. Funding so for your is, funding I, for I your an for your institutions, and if you want to promote your ideology, you can be. If you want to promote your ideology, you could be as as la di da and as lovely and as visionary as you want. But if you don't have funding to fund your yeshivot or your institutions and to right. promote so your I, think tanks and to promote your values and to create your universities, your ideology is going to go out the window. But the question is, why couldn't you have the ideology of Yamina Hadash and be a Dati Lumi party? Why couldn't that? Why can't a party like that exist? Is it because the Dati community is too fragmented to support such a pop? You're saying it's like a, a philosophical impossibility. I'm not convinced it's a philosophical impossibility. It might just be a technical difficulty. I think we're, we're, what, what you're speaking about is, is this idea of the middle, of the golden middle. And politics is not a game of the middle. It never was. And we, we're seeing, now it's more extreme than it. Nowadays, it's much more extreme than it used to be. But, you know, the moderates never garner success because you always people always run to the extremes. So, if you know, if you want to be a moderate and you want to talk about how we should be mechil and everybody loves each other and la-di-da, there are always going to be people on the extremes that are nipping at your, at your heels from the religious side, from the secular side. And, and I think we're seeing it even now, even today, you know, that, that the reason why the Bayit HaYud is surviving we thought it would be the other way. We thought that that you know when Otsma Yehudid, we'd just get a couple of votes from Otsma Yehudid, and that would that you know, and, and we wouldn't waste those votes. Bayna Yehudi is surviving and thriving because of Otsma Yehudid, not the other way around, you know. And that even that just highlights the idea that maybe the idea of having, and I'm starting to think this more and more in these conversations, the idea of having a religious political view is lovely but naive. And if you want to have exactly, a religious view and you want to be a religious no, leader, stay out of politics. Your argument is not about religion. Your argument and between is you and me, the Haredim always did it. Because the Haredim right. always saw, always saw the, the Rabbanim, they're the religious leaders. And, and, and the Askanim, they're about political power. And you know, whether, I don't know, okay, well, we'll get into it. I see your One face second. already. We'll get into One second, it. but my, I have a question for you. Is your argument that you can't have a religious political party because you just kind of disputed that? You said, look at the Haredim and look at Otsma Yehudi, right? You can, if you're an extremist. No, no, can, they're not an ideological party. The Haredim have a political party of interests, of the, we have needs and we're going to use our political power to achieve uh, so, our needs. So, okay, so what you're saying is you can't have, you can't mix true ideology and politics. That's what you're arguing, is that when you're going to play politics, ideology is going to have to be sacrificed to political expediency. Yeah, political would- politics is not the game of the ide- of ideology. It's, it's the politics is the is the is the is the game of the, of the possible of what I can achieve and how much do I have to compromise my own values in order to get what I want. Listen, this you reminds at- me of somebody asked Netanyahu. He came to McDallows. So there's an interesting video of it. I mentioned it to you guys briefly. And they said to him something, they asked him a question about something that he had done that they thought was um, ethically a little shady. And he said, listen, my job is to take care of Medina Yisrael. Um, and, you know, if I only did things that, you know, were, he said, what country would you want me to deal with if you want me to not deal with any country that doesn't have any human rights violations? It's, it's politically impossible. If you want me to take, my, my, my first and foremost um, Responsibility is to take care of Medina Israel to protect and defend and make this country thrive. So that sometimes I'm going to have to do things that, you know, and the truth is, listen, people who are ideologically fervent don't survive in politics. Benny Begin did not make it. Um, so maybe you're right. Johnny. Uh, I think. Have I stumped well, you? <laughs> Clay, 
No, no, you know, it, it, you know, I often look through a certain lens, rightly or wrongly. You know, the accusation that um, religion gets thwarted when mixed with politics is kind of this whole argument that happens surrounding Rav Goren and Golda Meir and Rav Eliyashiv and, and the... Uh, and the and chief rabbinate and political power, right. correct? So, so uh, the, key, the key question is this. Who, who was kidding whom there? Undoubtedly, and I've studied this whole sugya on a whole many different uh, parameters. Undoubtedly, wait, wait, I, go back, Johnny. Explain the sugya because not everybody's listening is is up in the context. Briefly explain it, please. Okay, I, I, for the moment, I'm briefly, not going to go through briefly, the whole right, detail. You don't have to go through the, whole thing. The, the simple, the simple fact is, we we there was a uh, a, um, a brother and sister um, who were categorized as mamzerim according to pretty much. Every posek alive, including those who were people like Ravad Yosef and the Tzitz Eliezer, apparently, um, uh, and and uh, still Rav Goren basically felt that he'd come up with a ruling in order for them not to be ca- uh, categorized as mamzerim. And once he published his ruling, he uh, was involved in a wedding of one of them to somebody else. And the Golda Meir said, wow, you're such a wonderful rabbi because you find the solutions for everything. Rav Eliashiv, who was working the chief rabbinate, left, and that's why I really have a completely separate rabbinic body, which is divorced from the chief rabbinate, because he basically said, when religion and politics mixed, uh, then you have both a halachic misrepresentation and social disaster. So... And I'm going to get you on a new on another po- on another me. podcast topic to write down for our list. But that would the, the next question would be: Is there such a thing as halacha devoid of politics? But that's for another day. Right. So the point <laughs> is the following: Ravali, you know, did Rav Eliashiv subsequently um, be be a supporter of of political movements that wish to have political religious groups that wish to have political power? Of course. I mean, so sometimes the the interconnectivity is explicit. Sometimes the influence is implicit. And where do you draw the line where you say this is an acceptable level of relationship uh, dynamic between religion and politics? And, one, and where do you say it's broken? Uh, that's obviously a, a, a nuanced question and needs to be looked at case by case. But I agree with Mali and, 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 and return to my, my point beforehand. There is no such thing as singular religious Zionism. Um, and I think a truer call is one where there is a, a, a greater Zionism. Or a truer call of what religious Zionism is, according to the eyes of many that I know, would be one where you you wish to have a party where uh, your less religious family members would also wish to vote for them. Because if it's a party which only religious people vote for, then you're betraying some of those ideals. So naturally, yes, there are extremists Wait, or you could Amazing. say, and I think the other people who disagreed with you, I'm not going to say me, could say that no, we if only people vote for this party, religious people, that's because the party represents religious ideals that non-religious I people know. are not able to stomach. And maybe the idea so, should be that the party that our, 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 I want our government to reflect the values that Judaism, that my understanding of Judaism reflects. And if you don't like that, then the party's not for you. You know, I, I just want to, I'm going to just tell a, a story. So I, I, I was at a, an event in Yad Bin Yamin where Ayelet Shaked spoke. 
And there was a young man, just a very passionate young man, and a little bit chutzpahic, honestly, who kept saying, you know, you guys allowed the, the lesbians and the gays to impose their will on the public school system and how that's a terrible thing. It's, it's kfiyah anti-datit, which is religious anti-coercion. And he kept, he kept going on about this and how terrible it was. And in the end, she said to him, listen, we have a different worldview. I don't think you should vote for me. You know what I'm saying? But let me talk. So, but, but he obviously feels that, that, that the government should reflect the government of Israel that he wants to vote for. The party should reflect his religious values. So we could argue about whether it reflects Rav Cook's values. That's one thing. That's one thing. But people want their party to reflect their religious values and to promote the values that, that they hold dear. You know, I have to tell you that, like, it's, it's interesting that you guys feel this way. I'm personally... More, cons- I was very upset when the Bayit Hayyudi sort of ignored issues of religion and state because they, they felt politically it's a loser. Since you want to be, you know, the party of all, the religious and non-religious, so anytime something comes up, like the Chokamarkulim, the, you know, the supermarket law or anything like that, you simply can't say anything because you're just going to alienate someone. So you're, you're nish to here, nish to here, and you don't take it, and, and then you don't have anybody take, take stances on issues that are really important to me as a voter. So I find I find that troubling. You know, it's very nice, like you said, Molly, to talk about the Amanat Medan Gabizan, but what that really means is nothing's ever gonna change and until everybody agrees on everything, then nobody will agree on anything, so we're not gonna talk about it. Or you could argue that we have to keep striving to make that into a religious and political issue. Like like you can ha- you can hold the religious value that my religious value is Amanat Gabizan. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That could be a religious value. Yeah, but that means practically that in the end, when these issues come up, and they inevitably always do, you won't take a firm stance. And you won't say, Why I have... Why not Gavison a firm stance? My firm stance is that I would like to find, I would like to keep fighting and keep fighting until we find a consensus that is um, acceptable to most people, um, that reflects the Jewish character of the state, but that does not, uh, you know, that, that, that people who are also choosing to not be uh, halakhically observant can agree on as well. The, the reason is because the way Ayala Chaked said it last night, in any coalition government, the Haredim are going to be sitting and they'll never agree to it. So nothing Later. is ever going to change. So it won't work. But, but that doesn't mean, therefore, that you can't, that's not, that, that, therefore, that's not a legitimate stance for a party to take. That, that's uh, not- okay, I'm sorry, Johnny, I interrupted you. Were you able to go back to your train of thought or uh, I, I, you've lost it? No, I mean, I, I, mean I, I suppose I just wish to reiterate this point. I, uh, th- there is, you know, when people think of religious Zionists, they talk about people who value Eretz Israel undoubtedly, uh, see religious uh, significance in the modern state of Israel in a passionate way, see religious significance of the army, um, uh, and are loyal to Torah. That general pointers would say that I can lump all religious Zionists together. But let me just list a few people, and, and those who are slightly more in the know would be able to tell us how so easy one can individuate them to being representative of different camps. Think of Rav Melamed, Rav Tal, Rav Tal. Think about Gush and, and, and Kerem Biyavne. Every institution, all these leaders have very significantly different religious views on some of those fundamental ingredients leading to what religious Zionism is. Disengagement was a seismic shift. You didn't mention that till now about how people relate to army and army service and, and generally the perception of a, a government. So I'm unconvinced that there was much of a heyday where everybody backed one party. I'm certainly convinced that that heyday is unlikely to return if ever it was one. And that 
in fact, there are many people who uh, use the term religious Zionists, but really there's very, very thin line between them and the more Haredi outlook. That's either for good or for bad, whoever, whichever listener wishes to interpret it that way, that's up to them. Uh, just because you wear a knitted kippah really uh, means very little. Um, and that's been evident from a whole bunch of things. You've got people from Otsmai Yehudit who may look uh, very similar to those who are members of Bay Yehudi, but uh, they actually do hold different views, notwithstanding the bonds uh, that they've uh, established, and certainly Yemin uh, Chadash as well. So I think let's not kid ourselves. There's no such thing as singular religious Zionism, and that means no, every institution is going to have to speak up for itself because nobody is going to speak up for each other because everybody is sectarian when it comes down to um, uh, economics uh, and power and influence. And I can't imagine that some of these leaders would necessarily say, but don't forget him when they hold fundamentally different views and their views have been known and made known in a whole bunch of places, including, of course, Alanei Shabbat. To so pick so, up so I want to turn, topic. that's interesting. I want to thank you for mentioning that. I want to turn to a very related topic and I want to ask you what you think, whether you whether you have a position about this. So if you talk about sectarianism and power, so then, and there is no such thing as a religious Zionist party because it just depends on what your ideology is, that you could be a religious Zionist and vote for labor or merit. So you, you could vote for anyone, you know, any one of these parties legitimately and they, they reflect your religious Zionist worldview. And I personally think that's quite legitimate. But then the issue becomes one of, like you said, power and sectarianism. So then shouldn't we just uh, rally around a party that represents our economic and uh, interests. So I've been saying it for a long time. I'm trying to convince my my UD friends that the instead of trying to attack this or attack that, what they should just simply go on is day school tuition. Like people don't realize like how expensive it is for 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 religious Zionist families to send their kids to high school and yeshiva, and how it's like a really it's a tremendous financial struggle. And if I was Ravi Peretz, I'd be saying my slogan would be. You shouldn't have to pay more than a thousand shekel a month per per child, and every everybody would vote for him because really that's you know like we're all crushed under this ridiculous burden of you know high school and ulpana and then yeshivat has dare and you know what I'm saying and that's before you even start thinking about college, but people, then I say that to my friends and they're like that's so selfish of you you have to worry about the country you have to vote for the best betterment of the country. But now that you're telling me if every vote that I vote for is for the betterment of the country, shouldn't we just worry about our own parochial interests, Molly? Okay, so first of all, I want, I want to put a little bit of a, again, I'll go back and reiterate, a little bit more of a positive spin on what Rajani said, which is that I think the truth is that it used to be that the religious Zionist voice was more unified because the um, old school Mafzal was the one voice. And I think that What's happened, what's happened over the past, I'd say certainly 10 years, is that the more, um, I don't know what word to use here, moderate, centrist, whatever word you want to use, have realized that they can't allow that voice to dominate the conversation, which is why you have Sohar, did not exist when I made Aliyah, Beit Hillel, which again, you could say it's okay, Yorka Halakha, um, all kinds of movements have, and again, I think the emergence of, you mean HaChadash, as an, as, as a, first, the whole concept of the Bayit HaYudi was, was a movement in this direction, and now by Yemina um, Khadash is actually a, a it, 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 de- it demonstrates a louder voice or a more a stronger voice. The religious Zionist community is either you can say that they're growing or that they're developing. The fact that, de- that, that like now these two schools may be actually a positive thing. 
Oh, no, we're right, so that it represents so a large, it represents a more diverse community. That it's has a more diverse community that, where people are, are, are becoming larger. It's not just more diverse. It's, 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 there's like a critical mass. They're learning how to speak out. And I mean, it how- also reflects the idea that it used to be, like I remember when I went to Hezri Yeshivot, all the Ramim were, were graduates of Haredi Yeshivot that became sort of right? religious Zionists. And nowadays right. they're all graduates of those Yeshivot. So there's certainly a maturity there. But you still haven't answered my question. Okay, so your question. I'd, uh, so... I think that you would make a good good politician because I think that that's a very good point, right? It's like the equivalent of, you know, the reason, one of the reasons I think that Fagelin is actually getting vo- votes is because he has become, he just kind of pounded. You want, you know, legalized marijuana? Vote for me. And did you notice he dresses like Steve Jobs? Did you notice yeah, that? Yes, you mentioned that. It's, that's true. He does, right? Like he took one issue and it seems to work. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's actually going to work. Let's see what happens. But like, yeah, I think that that would work for Rafi Parrots, what you're saying. Um, what can I tell you? I, I would prefer if what existed was a party that actually, that I actually, at this point, there isn't actually a, a religious Zionist party that I identify with fully. Because again, I don't identify with Habayit HaYehudi and Yemen Hadash isn't really a religious Zionist party. Um, I would prefer if there was something there that I, that I could identify with. It doesn't exist. It reminds um, me of what we say about high schools. There is no perfect high school, so you just have to decide what you're, what you're not, what you're willing to. Correct, but I agree with you that that's also a problem because then who's going to be our voice? You're right, and the Charedim never had that problem. They're like, we are going to be our own voice, um, and there's value to that. Um, what can I tell you? I think um, I, See, it's, I, it's, I, it's, it's that we live in a world where politics in this country it's not it rabbinic comes, leadership; it's politics. It comes matter. back to the point that you made, which, I, which I'm still kind of mulling over. And I will tell you the story, and I won't name any names. I don't think I said, told the story before, but um, I was at what my son's high school had a Shabbat, and there was somebody there who worked for two Knesset members, and he basically, I won't say who they were, but he said he was very proud to work for them because they were both menches. Um, and like his chiddish was that it's possible to be a mensch and work in the Knesset. Um, but one of the, about one of the Rabbanim, he said, he, the, one of the Knesset members was also a Rav. But this Knesset member said when he was walking in the halls of the Knesset, he never called himself Harav X. He always went by just his name or Haver Knesset X. He said, because being a Rav and being a Haver Knesset just don't mix. So this person was telling the story to demonstrate how wonderful this Rav was. And he actually was. And he was telling stories about how wonderful and warm he was. And how he would say hello to everybody in the, in the hallways. And it was actually very moving. But that was kind of sad for me. That like when, when push came to shove, this very honest and very wonderful political you know, player said, when I'm in the Knesset, I'm not a Rav. I, I happen to understand that totally. The more I see things, you know, you, if in order to get things done, like people, they, 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 they respond to pressure and they respond to political maneuvering. And sometimes it's not the nicest thing in the world. You can't be so nice to get things done. I think Bibi had a point. And we don't want, we don't like, we don't like, what's that they say about the salami? We don't, we don't like, we don't want to know how it's made, but we, we certainly like eating it afterwards. Johnny, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up soon because we want to keep this a little shorter. Can you respond to the sectarian issue? Do you think that we need a sectarian religious party or would you rather c- continue with the ideology? I mean, we're not going to get what we want anyway, but in our ideal world, do we want a sectarian religious party or do you like it the way it is and let the cards fall where they may? I think, you know, you contrast it with some Haredi parties. Let's just make a, a brief comparison. In order to have a party that everyone comes together, you often need a personality that everyone comes together. And 
in terms of the religious Zionist world, certainly there were in the past some individuals for whom a significant minority, if not a majority, felt a sense of affiliation with. I don't think such people exist today um, for a whole variety of reasons within the religious Zionist world. In fact, even within the Haredi world, uh, there are few and far between. So is this a perfect solution? The answer is perfect for what? This is a modern democratic state uh, which is based on Jewish values. Uh, regrettably, some of those Jewish values are far too diluted in the day-to-day -day lifestyle and some of us would like them to be more forefront. For other people, they're too present already and would like them to be deconstructed. But do I think that having a religious Zionist party is going to be the solution? Uh, well, then you tell me which religious Zionist party, you know, from which particular perspective. If it's from the Olam Yeshivas, and I, I use that term notwithstanding the deliberate Ashkenazi accent, I don't think that necessarily uh, speaks to the wider community, even if it's the Olam Yeshivas of the religious Zionist world. We, we, we presume often that educators and the Rabbanim are the best spokespeople to the wider public and best economists in terms of governance. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. If we find that person, Matov, but I don't think we're there, and I'm not even so convinced we should try and be seeking that conclusion. Okay, I want to thank you both for having this discussion. I have to say, like, I'm a political junkie, both in Israel and in America, and, and but I find like what I love about living in this country and thinking about things is is that the things that are so dear to us, like our religious values and our religious life, it's part of the public discussion. And you don't always, you often don't agree with what people say and what people do, but it's still there. And it's always sort of bubbling under the surface of things that are so dear to us and so important to us. They're also dear and important to other people, even if they disagree with us. And they're they're fundamental not only in our in our religious and personal lives, but in our political and national lives as well. And I think that's something that's worthy of discussion and uh, continued, uh, continued uh, following and analysis. I want, I want to thank you guys for, for discussing this topic. Okay, Later. we've been listening to RZ Weekly with Rabbi Malibravsky and Rabbi Johnny Solomon. You can find us and like us on iTunes. Hopefully soon we'll be on Google Play if I remember to, up, to upload it to Google, uh, the Google Podcast Store. And we're on Stitcher and a bunch of other uh, podcast, um, uh, podcast uh, sites. Uh, please leave a comment. Please share with your friends. And we're always uh, excited to get uh, feedback and response and, uh, and share your thoughts with us. My name is Ruben Spolter. I want to thank my son, Tachis Spolter, for our music. 